Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get the discussion started. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Don't keep it loose. And keeping that dinero outside of the old kangaroo court cookie jar. That a boy don't protecting those funds. All right, 1103 on the fan. It's Tiki and Tierney. Uh, Tiki, we've trained them well with the music. Or at least I've trained them. I'm not sure, sure if you love that song, but I've trained them fairly well. Nah, it was good enough. He's responsive to that. Nice job. So I don't think that this is anything to be grossly fearful of, but it, it's it's possible. So let me float it toward you. Derek Carr and the Saints, official visit. Okay, you mentioned last hour, and I do agree that it doesn't really behoove him to sign right away, see Mm -hmm. what's out there. Okay, I think that's sensible. And I think ultimately you will be right. But if something emerges in the next day or so, Derek Carr, Saints, extension, done. Because for him to go on a visit, and I know you know this, I'll make sure everybody else does, the Raiders have to agree on compensatory terms with whatever team he goes to visit before they even start talking contract, okay? Yes. So that means that Vegas and the Saints are on the same page, so there is the framework of a deal. Let's just say in two days, you know, Derek Carr, even if the day after, maybe they don't want to usurp the Super Bowl, day after the Super Bowl, right? The Saints and Carr agree to a contract, and at that point, Aaron Rodgers is just... uh, Exiting his hallucinogen-based four-day darkness, uh, and he comes to the determination that the Jets are not for him. That is not optimal. At that no. at that point, it's not. We <laughs> were having this conversation a little bit before the show about what's the best situation for the Jets, and Aaron Rodgers is the the best immediate situation for the Jets because the team feels like they're just a quarterback away, even though they're probably not, but we can say that when we just look at it on paper. But the best likely long-term solution is actually Derek Carr uh, because of who he is and the stability that he potentially provides, and it solves your Zach Wilson issue if you're the New York Jets, which means you just you move bait, you, you you cut bait, and you move on from him instead of is Aaron Rodgers going to be the right mentor to correct his course and to get him humble and to get him back being what they thought he was when they drafted him with the number two overall pick, right? So Derek Carr 
is 31 years old. It's going to be 32 for this next season. And it can be your starting quarterback for the next six or seven years. I'm not saying he's a superstar, yep. but he is good enough to lead a team to the playoffs and deep into the playoffs because he's got the talent. We know he's got the talent, especially if you got the weapons around him. So he's your best like long-term option. It just feels like it's going out the door. And as we talked about a week ago, if he goes out the door and Aaron Rodgers is whatever Aaron Rodgers in it, whatever that means, turning that into a verb, then the Jets could be stuck with, all right, guess we got to have to figure out Zach. And that's not where anybody wants. Or they're needs not doing to be. that. They might get stuck, I, I but so they're either, not going but... back with Zach. Hey, Zach will have no chance to win the job in camp. No chance. But who? Unless but who it's else like is Baker. There? But who else is Baker? I'm saying really? unless it's like Baker, then maybe Zach has a puncher's chance to to unseat him in camp. I my point is they will, then they will get Garoppolo, and I don't love it because he's got a ceiling. But they're bringing somebody. Then they'll get Tannehill. They're bringing somebody in to start. There is no way that Zach Wilson's going to be in charge of the future of Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Joe Douglas will not allow that to happen. Is he any, are any are any of those options better than Derek Carr? Um. Yeah. I, I don't know if Derek Carr. I don't. I don't think I don't he think wants he, us. I don't think he wants here. I, I think you're right. I think that instinct is absolutely correct, BT. I don't you know? think he wants to be in New York. I like Derek Carr. See, interesting. The way you framed it long term, I, I can't refute that because he's obviously a lot younger. But the reason why Rodgers has always been clearly one and, and Derek Carr clearly two for me, Rodgers is obviously the better player. He's a superstar. He's superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only with Rodgers – do you get that if you believe that last year was just a bit of an anomaly because of the thumb, a lack of weapons, whatever? Uh, but also you could possibly salvage Zach, which I which yes. means something to me. Not everybody. With Derek Carr, yes, he's good, but he's not as good as Rodgers. And at that point, you have to jettison Zach Wilson. So the Rodgers things potentially satisfies two situations. The Carr situation addresses one and not nearly as good as the Rodgers would. You know no, what I mean? No, you're right about that. But then you get the Aaron Rodgers, you know, the conversation starts to morph into what Aaron Rodgers are you getting? It, the really good Aaron Rodgers, who's who's a good teammate and makes those guys around him better, or the Aaron Rodgers who's waffling like he did last year with the uh, with the Packers and then didn't show up for any of the offseason and then has these weird, I don't know, Pat McAfee admissions that become <laughs> – headline stories and you know if he's in new york those things are you know it's not just going to be like a blurb it's going to be the whole back page and rogers disappearing for four days with not getting nothing but food and you know nourishment through a, a feeding slot I mean, what the hell is going on with aaron rogers? I, I you know but, but why does that yeah, i know we're like laughing about this and i know he's going to do it does that actually worry you about how stable he would be in new york because some people are worried about this no i mean not at all actually okay I just think it would be really interesting content to consume. Um, And if he's playing anything less than elite, then that's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about, oh, well, you know, I don't know, Garrett Wilson regressed or Brees Hall just didn't return as the same player that he was before he heard it. We should be talking about those things. Instead, we'll be talking about, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers, man, he – you know, that retreat, it must have screwed with his head. Like, no. Like, you know what I mean? Just, uh. I, think, I think we'll talk about things that aren't football-related if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing well. <laughs> you know what's amazing? Just as a quick aside, and I want to really hammer these calls, the LeBron stuff, this stuff with Rodgers, with Carr, 877-337-6666. This dark 
adventure that Rodgers is getting ready to do mm-hmm. could not seem less appealing to me. It could not be less appealing to me. That seems absolutely terrifying. Like, whether you're, you're tripping on something or you're not, you couldn't pay me to lock myself in the woods by myself for four days. No chance. Who the hell would want to do that? No chance. Oh, my no. God. And do nothing. That's what I mean. And just sit and meditate. Well, I know that there's a, no, I know that there's a place in Oregon. I watched some video on it last night. Uh, I think this place in Bali, there's a couple of places around the world that actually have this. You're right. They give you food through a little prehistoric slide door, like the Flintstones. I just, I don't know. I mean, Hoff, you're, you're, you're wound a little differently. I mean, would you find that wife and kids aside, of course, I don't think you want to leave them for four days, but would you go into darkness for four days? Sometimes I feel like I'm already there working with Dove. Uh, oh but yeah, like I, I feel like it's something that if I was in a certain space in my life, I may do it. I'm not there right now. Ah, I mm. couldn't. And then if you mix in hallucinogens. Well, then I'm no. definitely in. I know you're like, is you, that part? Are, are you serious when you say that? Yeah. Is oh, that my part goodness. You yeah, would take hallucinogens by yourself? Why not? In darkness? Yeah. Oh, God. I watch Dude, horror movies oh, constantly. This sounds like the best trip what of if all you time. freak out? Like, what if you have, like, I'm a, expecting a, to. <laughs> you, he actually wants to. And then do what? Like, you can't see anything. Nobody can help you. Have you ever been in an MRI machine? Yes, unfortunately, 20 times. So just blast some music. I mean, that doesn't sound fun, but I think, dude. I don't think you can have music, right? Oh. I think well, you can't every, bring headphones? Yeah. No, there's no I, Siri, No, I think this know. is, like, sound. Alexa. Everything. Everything's just, done. Like, Primitive. Yeah, that's. I couldn't do that. I don't know no. if I could do it if you paid me. Really, I really couldn't. That takes a certain kind of person. And apparently Hoff is a lot like Rogers. Weird. Let's <laughs> 877-337-6666. Let's get back to you, uh, Vinny and Babylon. What's going on, Vin? How are you, bud? Hey, guys. Good morning. Um, you were talking about LeBron. So this is my take as a 60-plus year uh, basketball fan. I think LeBron would have been better in the day than he is now because Mm. if you let him pound that 275-pound body in the paint, he would have been, you know, not that he's not one of the greatest players ever, but he would have been even better, and if if that's possible. And also, but it's really made me understand just in the last few minutes where I've been waiting why I don't like the NBA game as much anymore. (laughs) I think it's way too soft. Um, the three-pointers have taken over. And Tiki, I say this to you as a former pro athlete, there are no blood rivalries anymore. None. The fun the fun was Knicks, Bulls, Knicks, Heat, yep. Celtics, Knicks, Knicks Pacers, Celtics, Lakers, Celt- yep. Pistons, yep. Pistons, beating the crap out of each other. Uh-huh. With the, the way the game is now, it's all a bunch of buddies playing for $40 million bucks. I, You know, I just don't like the sport anymore um i i want to i go yeah. back as full i can remember howie comives and walt bellamy being traded for i remember uh bill bradley's first game listening on the radio when i was nine years old wow the game stinks now it's not fun it's just i don't know i don't know i don't know am i venting too much no i want to like the game I, I want to like the game. Yep. I, yeah, you want to find something you know, to latch on to. It's just hard to. Yes. It, it's really yeah, hard to I, find I, something I, to I latch miss, on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I miss, you know, my nights in the winters watching the Knicks, but I, I can't hmm. do it anymore. Well, Vinny, here, let me wait for the, Vinny, hold on one sec, because it's in, now that you bring the Knicks into it, it's very interesting. I look at it this way. 
I agree with most of the things that you said, including that LeBron would have been a beast no matter what generation he played in. To say otherwise, I think, is unfair and untrue. But the the rivalries, the reliance on the three-point shot, the indifference to defense, the coaches have no juice anymore, all the things, right? They bother me as well. But there's something that I have still been able to hold on to that I don't feel it's not as amplified my displeasure with the game when I watch the Knicks. Like, if if I wasn't a fan of a team, if I didn't still really enjoy watching the Knicks, and I watched them last night, then I really don't know that I would watch the NBA at all. I, I really don't. Like, the, my Nick fandom has allowed me to continue to be a fan of the product, even though I acknowledge there's so many parts of it I no longer enjoy. If that makes any sense, Teak. You know no, what I mean? No, it does make a lot of sense because you, regardless of what's happening, you 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 know you're going to gravitate towards the Nick brand. Correct. And, e- and even if there's not necessarily a star on that team, then you're still going to – you have the Nick, Nick's brand to it. I think what, you know, that last caller was just, um, just alluding to is that when the game gets – it starts to feel like, man, this isn't basketball that I grew up knowing and appreciating, like the fundamentals and the toughness and all that stuff. You tend to gravitate towards a star, right? It's what, like, I didn't grow up loving baseball, as BT knows, until I found, like – a team like with the Braves and then you see these individual stars like Ricky Henderson we were just talking about you end up gravitating to a star then that pulls you in and as we were talking about with LeBron a lot of these stars are just kind of like they're not endearing you know what I mean they're not they're not somebody you want to you want to emulate being unless you're a basketball player so I think that's part of it it's part of the problem that the NBA has despite its growing popularity now and again I I think in the uh, in the pursuit of fairness here and you know where we stand but Let's not, you know, rewrite the uh, the story. Now, how they competed is one thing, but Larry Bird was not, you know, overly cordial to fans. Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing wasn't, he didn't let us into his world. I mean, Charles Barkley basically told us, uh, you know, yeah, he threw a, people a, through windows. I mean, at bars. Yeah, I'm not, a, a, robot I'm yeah, not, I'm not a robot. So the game has changed. Um, I think it was far more competitive back then, but it's not like these guys, of course, there's always exceptions. Some some guys are great with autographs. You're great with your time. I've seen it, uh, but not everybody is. But just because it was 25, 30 years ago and things have changed now, not all the guys back then were incredibly cordial with the fans either. They, they, uh, you know, they just weren't. True, but I think mostly it's changed because the game just feels different. Um, different and the lack of relatability to the average fan, the common fan. There's nothing in common because most of these guys who make the NBA, every other sport's a little different. There's a grind in hockey. You're getting up at three in the morning for ice time. You're humbled. Uh, baseball, you're an A ball. You might be hitting 212. You're on a bus for seven hours. Even if you're a million dollar bonus baby, you still have to take that route to, to the show and to the, the big stage, right? But in basketball, you are coddled, and you are coddled from the time you're 10, 11, 12, AAU, cross-country trips, mm-hmm. hooked up with sneakers. I'm a grudge. I'm not mad at you. I wish yeah. I had it. But you are treated you treated differently. Yeah, semester in college. Even the NFL, you got to go to college for three years. Yep. Like you're not playing. You're not a great high school football player and just going to the NFL. Like, you have to go through college. You have to get weeded out through that process. And if you don't, you're not making it, period. Basketball, you can just kind of – Skip it. You can skip it all. Yeah, that's right true. To the, right to the game. Yeah, yeah that's true. Joe's in uh, peak skill. What's happening, Joe? How are you today? Yeah, really good. Tiki, love you as a giant. Uh, Thank you, man. I go back I go back a little bit further than the past caller. 
I remember when it was Lou Alcinda and he played for Power Memorial High School. Yep. So my point here about LeBron is he's got three points. I don't know how many total three points he's had, but you got to – thats he's not the king when it comes to total points. As far as I'm concerned, Kareem played when it was just two points, no three-pointers. So if you want to take away the three-pointers, and I don't take anything away from LeBron – Great athlete, one of the best, probably top five players that ever played. But you can't, it's apples and oranges, because if Kareem could have did it, you know, not that he took three-pointers, I get it, but the reality is you got to take those points away, and when he finally gets to that number without the three points, then I say he's the king and I tip my hat to him. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I I don't see it that way, but I I can see why some do. Yeah, the game the game's different, obviously. Thanks, Joe. Kareem, Kareem never took, I mean, took 18 in yeah. his entire career. Yeah. And he made one of those 18. Uh, I think it was 1986-87 season. Uh, we looked it up the other day. But, I mean, that's why it took Kareem longer, because it was just, it was by twos as opposed to a few threes thrown in there. But here's the thing. Do you think, do you think that LeBron is going to get to as many field goals made as Kareem? Right, because you take away the one three pointer, it comes down to how many field goals and free throws uh, too, and free throws that that LeBron James. I don't know, and I don't even care to process yeah. it on that deep of a level. He, he broke the record last night. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he broke the That's record. all that matters. But if you want to set another criteria, <laughs> I, I, I actually think he would do it. That's really the real do. record, folks. Get those phones out. Uh, I think that. I really do think that, you know, Lou Alcindor Kareem is is the greatest basketball player in the history of basketball. I do. Now, you notice I'm saying basketball, not just the NBA. Because when you incorporate Power Memorial and when you incorporate UCLA and you look at his prowess in the, in the NBA, uh, I think it's impossible to refute. I know Jordan was great at Carolina. He got cut from his JV team. That's the story goes, uh, growing up as a kid. You know, other great play. I mean, LeBron was a phenomenal, phenomenal high school player. We saw him on ESPN many times, right? Didn't play in college, so that part is not there. Leitner was a great college player, average pro. Ewing, amazing college player. Really good pro, but not quite, of not even close, Jabbar or LeBron. So anybody that you can kind of throw in there, uh, maybe, I'll tell you, maybe Magic, maybe Magic and Bird are, are a little closer on the because you throw in what Magic did at Michigan State, what Larry did at Indiana State, what they both did on the Olympic scene, on the international stage. I don't know. Maybe there's a little something there, but I do think that Lou slash Kareem is the greatest basketball player that ever played basketball. I've always thought that myself. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, Tiki and Tierney on The Fan. It's uh, 1128 here on, uh, on this Wednesday. Teague's heading out to the Super Bowl tomorrow, so we'll really start to uh, to bump up the coverage. We just can't get into it too early in the week. It just gets boring. It gets repetitive. It gets played out. <laughs> we'll be jacked up for the game. I'm, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, legacies at stake, but it's, we just can't do it too early in the week. So we're hitting some other stuff, which I think you guys will enjoy, including this. Uh, so next segment, we've got Pat McCarthy, who will join us here. 
who was recently named part of the Mets broadcast team. Congrats to him. We'll have a little chat with Pat. And I saw Max Scherzer earlier on social media arriving Port St. Lucie as some of the players start to straggle in, which is always fun. You know, kind of lets us know it's right around the corner. And this was interesting. So Jim Jim Bowden uh, has a proposed realignment for baseball. And it's kind of along the lines of what I put out a while ago. How does this sound to you, Teak? You ready? Imagine if the East was, and again, it's independent American national. It's just one big blend. It would be the Yankees. It would be the Mets. It would be the Red Sox. And it would be the Phillies. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's perfect. And they had two expansion teams as well, which seemed the most logical expansion places. They did. One Nashville, was in Charlotte. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yeah, go ahead, Teak. I'm sorry, Bob. Yeah, one was – I couldn't remember. No, I remember Nashville because Nashville feels ready for another professional team. They've done extraordinarily well with the hockey. Yeah. Um, and uh, and obviously uh, – Charlotte. Um, Charlotte as well. So Charlotte, Charlotte's a, I mean, it's a growing, it's been growing for a few years now. Maybe it stagnated a little bit over the last couple, but. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Shallots, it's, it's a growing spot. And um, the fandom down in the South is just something that you need to tap into more. Because right now, it's dominated by college sports. Now, if you So you know that the... The appetite is is there. You just got to put the sports there. Yeah. Um, just as I dive a little deeper into what uh, Jim proposed here, so you'd have the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. I'm, listen, I'm not saying it's perfect, but as long as it's perfect for the Yanks and Mets, that's really what I care about. Like, I can nitpick mm-hmm. and I can say, well, 
In the Eastern Conference, the Reds, which is the North Division of the East, would be the Reds, the Tigers, the Blue Jays, and the Guardians. All right, whatever. That that doesn't seem perfectly symmetrical, but I don't care. I mean, as long as the mm. Yankees don't lose the Red Sox and the Mets don't lose the Phillies, I, I and the Yankees and the Mets gain each other, I think it's awesome. Now, I do think there's a lot of people who would oppose that because they would say, well... It, it, you get the Yanks of the Mets too much, it's played out. It loses the special nature of when they do hook up during the Subway Series. Nonsense. To me, what's the old expression? Familiarity what? Breeds? It breeds contempt. Contempt. Yeah. Familiarity yeah. No, breeds think, contempt. And I think it be, I think it makes the rivalry significantly more intense. I agree. Right? Because, because I mean, winning the division is still a big part of this. Now, obviously, the Red Sox and the and the Phillies, especially the, now the new Phillies, um, have a real um, you know rivalry with the other two teams there. But the Red Sox, the the Yankees and the Mets battling it out every year to try to make the postseason simply by winning the division is something that's it's that sounds amazing actually because all of those games mean something. Yeah, it's not like we chalked it up last year. Remember the Mets and the Yankees played last year? And it was kind of like yeah, this game was it's 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 important, but it doesn't really mean anything to. You know, the Yankees, they're not taking it seriously. Whereas the Mets were like, oh, this is like the World Series to us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it just, I think if it, if there's more at stake than just, you know, cross rivalry, rival uh, for, you know, four games a season, I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, because you're playing something for something tangible. There's something tangible at stake. Yes. And not just, by the way, not just divisional supremacy, which I'm, which would happen just by by happenstance every few years or whatever. But imagine the Yanks and the Mets playing in late September and one of the teams, either the Yankees or the Mets, like right at the cut line of the wild card, that the second wild card spot. And like say if the Mets are two games out and there's five games to play mm-hmm. and the Yankees sweep them or vice versa, not only do they not do they not win the division, but they don't even get a wild card spot. You want to talk about ratcheting up the it. intensity? Oh, my yeah. God. Well, I, I mean, think this would be I awesome. Think the, I think the other thing this does – BT is it makes like the Marlins and the and the Mets in the same division. I guess it makes sense because it's East Coast, but it doesn't feel like in proximity. It doesn't feel I don't know. It doesn't feel organic. The thing that I like about this this Jim Bowden's uh, realignment is it's it's so regional, right? It makes it makes a regional rivalry like a almost local in a sense rivalry of almost every team, mm-hmm. which is which is what you go for. Makes it makes it, I think, more compelling and interesting from a fan standpoint, especially if you're gonna travel. Right? Baseball's a grind. You have all of these games. If you I mean, how many can you actually travel to? You happen to be in Florida, yeah, okay, I'll go to a Marlins game down there when the Mets are down there. But like you can't actually do it. Opening day right? this with, year they're with, playing out there first or down there yeah. first game for the Mets. But no, I, I know but what if you the mean. rivalry but if the rivalry is, you know, you're the Mets, it's all right, Boston, that's an easy trip. It's Philly, that's an easy trip. Obviously, New York is just across, you know, across a, a couple boroughs. It's, it makes all the trips easy. And so I think it makes the rivalry a little bit more intense. Hoff, you like this? Uh, there's a couple of things I don't like about it. First of all, you talk about rivalries. I mean, the Mets and the Braves have a rivalry forever. That You take away that. I mean, that, that's a huge mm. one to take away. I don't mind realignment. I don't think you don't need to go as drastic as the – ALNL part of it you could do four divi- four divisions I love that keep the Yankees in the AL keep the Mets in the NL you could toss away the Marlins that's totally fine toss away the Nationals whatever you got to do <laughs> make it four four across the board is great I just think you need the Braves Mets Phillies all locked into one Count- I-, I got you on that counterpoint uh at least pertaining to the Braves here so in the 80s 
the Mets had no rivalry with the Braves. It was the Cardinals. Right. Okay. And that at its at its apex was incredibly intense. Now you're a little bit younger, but mm-hmm. I mean I, I remember watching it. And you know, Whitey Herzog's team, that squad, Tommy mm-hmm. Herr, Willie McGee, those boys, right? And I, I I never felt like the Mets could get into another rivalry that matched the the energy of that. And then the next decade, they did with the Braves. So I say that because things are evolving. It's not like if it was like to me, Giants Dodgers is is much more deep rooted than Mets Braves Yankees. And I'm not trying to diminish the right. I get it. You're they're your rival, one of them, and you want to you want to keep it that way. But I think that it could be quickly repositioned, if repositioned, largely forgotten and evolved to something yeah. that's even better. The Yankees. It's right for it's right for evolution is what you're saying, BT. I think so. Right. Yeah, the Cardinals and Mets in the eighties was piping hot. It was white hot. Yeah, but the Mets and the Yankees are rivals like, anyway. They, yeah, they, 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 I mean they're not. But they're not consistent. playing for anything. Now they would be. They're playing for one out of yeah. one hundred and sixty-two. Let's go. Well, you know what I'm saying. I Imagine the Giants, for, by the way. What? The yeah. Giants, by the way, are not. I know they are in this realignment. With the with the Dodgers, that's why I said it's not exactly Which I get. perfect. Well, yeah, I uh, love you know. Before we get a uh, just from uh, re- just from a regional standpoint, it makes sense, right? The A's and the Giants, and you got to throw. I mean, Colorado is just thrown in there, I think. But yeah, the they're just languishing out just, there. We got to. I guess we have to keep yeah, them in the yeah. league, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Midwest in the Western Conference: Cubs, White Sox, so Chicago, Chicago Brewers, Twins. Then you've got the mm-hmm. Astros, Royals, Cardinals, Rangers in the Southwest. Uh, Tiki gave you the Pacific Coast. The West would be, you know, you still get the Angels, Dodgers, and the Padres, and the D-backs. That's actually pretty, outside of the D-backs, that's pretty good. And then in the other conference that Bowden proposed here, the Eastern, which would impact the Yanks and the Mets, you've got uh, Boston, both Yanks, Mets, Phillies, Reds, Guardians, Tigers, Blue Jays, in the Mid-Atlantic, Orioles. This is actually decent. Orioles, Charlotte, Pirates, and the Nationals. And then the Braves, the Marlins, the Nashville expansion and the Rays. Is it geographically perfect? No. Uh, does it obscure some of the longer standing rivalry rivalries? Yeah. But I think it's ripe for evolution. And sign me up. If we get the Yanks and the Mets battling for the division, oh my God. Wow. 877-33 and wildcard. 877-337-6666. We're gonna chat with one of the newest voices of the Mets uh, broadcast team, Pat McCarthy. And we'll get with him coming up in a little bit. We're known for being polite, so we give you a chance to talk too. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. All right, Tiki and Tierney back on the fan. It's 1145 on this Wednesday. Big couple of days for the Mets broadcast team. Oh, yeah, big news, big additions. Uh, as we announced a few days ago here at Odyssey, the addition of Keith Rad and Pat McCarthy, both to WCBS 880's uh, flagship broadcast coverage of the Mets baseball uh, season, beginning this year, of course, coming up in 2023. Now, Rad will be uh, play-by-player and, uh, and also color commentary as he teams up with, um, with the great Howie Rose. And McCarthy, who, as we know, Tiki has worked with his dad quite a bit, uh, former Mets announcer as well, Tom McCarthy. But um, the younger McCarthy will serve as pregame and postgame host for broadcast and uh, providing play-by-play for select games as well. That's all the legal, you know, 
Odyssey uh, released information. We just want to talk to the young man, see what he's all about, and say congrats on an awesome on an awesome uh, anointing of a fantastic job, and I'm sure the realization of a dream. How you doing there, buddy? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a surreal couple of days. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Hey, Pat, it's awesome. it's awesome to have you on, and obviously we've met a couple of times. Uh, I think your dad called me right away about after you got this job. And so I, how exciting is this for you? I mean, it's, it's, it's a dream to uh, be in a booth, but to get this opportunity with a team that's really on the come, as you know, with the Mets. I mean, how awesome is this for you, Pat? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's amazing because, I mean, like you, like you said yesterday, you know, this is a, this is a team that's ready to, to take this city by storm and, it, and it's a and it's a team that's ready to you know take the the national league and potentially major league baseball by storm the the additions that have been made and with, in addition to the guys that were already there this is a roster that's ready to win right now so to have an opportunity to join this broadcast team at this moment it, it's pretty special because i think we all feel that there's something coming here in 2023 and beyond, and just to be part of this ride is going to be a pretty, pretty incredible experience. Now you have baseball in your blood a little bit. Now most people don't know this. I don't know if BT knows this, but you're big, man. You're big like your dad. You're six five, but you were a submarine pitcher. Like how the <laughs> heck is that possible? <laughs> how hard did you throw, Pat? I know, right? And why did you Below decide to go down like that? Below bat speed, that's for sure. I, yeah, just you know, I always laugh. It was just your typical two hundred and sixty pound, six foot five submariner. I, you know, the first time I ever went onto a mound in college, we were scrimmaging against Princeton, and uh, you know, I get out there, and, and the umpire looks at her catcher, and he goes, "Oh man, look at this big guy coming out here." And my catcher just pulls his mask down and says, "Oh yeah, well, where do you see it's fastball?" And then the uh, first pitch, I drop down and and swing it in there at about 67 miles an hour. And he's just like, all right, then here we go. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, man. You know, I, I wasn't a great pitcher. I wasn't a great first baseman in high school. So uh, I, I kind of just started messing around with dropping down and, you know, got a chance to throw in Legion a little bit and then, you know, had a chance to throw in college for a couple of years. So it was pretty fun. It was, it was a pretty incredible experience. See, it's interesting, too, because when I was growing up, I, I tried to emulate these ball players. I wanted to be Mattingly. I wanted to be Chris Mullen. And – while I fell asleep to the radio every night, a true story, I, I didn't necessarily have broadcasting aspirations really until Mike and Chris came along, and I'm like, wow, this is this is a viable career path. Did you grow up wanting to be a player more than a broadcaster or a broadcaster more than a player? Well, the idea of becoming a player was was uh, wiped away pretty quickly, uh, you know, once I got to high school. And, you know, if you needed to walk off 10 run rule, I was your guy. Uh, but that was that was about it. You know, originally I was I was going to go to college to play basketball, honestly. Uh, you know, and and then I ultimately went to Syracuse, so I, I didn't end up playing there. Not that I don't think I would have thrived in that two three zone, but you know, it just wasn't quite for me. Uh, yeah, I, I probably decided to that the broadcasting was what I wanted to do around the age of sixteen or seventeen. I, when I was younger, I, I had a number of things I wanted to do. I wanted to be a marine biologist at one point. I wanted to be a teacher, like everything except being a broadcaster. Uh, and then, I, I, you know, you kind of have that aha moment and you come to that realization of how cool it would be to become a broadcaster, to watch sports every single day. So, you know, I started working on my high school news station when I was a sophomore in high school. And from there, that itch just became a fire. And, you know, went to Syracuse, did it there for a year before I transferred to the college in New Jersey. And, and that's where everything kind of took off from there. 
So you basically figured out that my dad has a pretty cool job, right? My dad's actually not a dork. He's actually really cool. That's what you figured out, right? Honestly, that's exactly what it was. And it was, I, and I can remember starting, you're, you're, you're a young kid. You don't necessarily appreciate everything that goes into what your dad does mm-hmm. and, and the sacrifices that he puts in so that way you can have these incredible experiences. You know, when you're a 10-year-old kid, it's just, it's just not what clicks. And then, you know, once I kind of started to have that understanding of everything that he put in to allow us to do what we love to do, I was like, man, that would be pretty awesome. Not just to do, but then to one day pass down to my kids, you know, when that time comes. And and that's where I, I decided that this is what I wanted to pursue full time. And, and I've just fallen in love with it ever since. So we're talking yeah. about, go ahead, go ahead. T. No, I was going to say, BT, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Tom McCarthy is my broadcast partner when I do CBS games. He also calls the Phillies games. So he's been in the business doing a lot of different things for a lot of years. Did some Big 12 games. Oops. Uh, uh, Big 10 games, I should say, um, you know, for the for CBS this past season. So, you know, Tom is, is very experienced and a good friend of mine. And so, Pat, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think you learned from your dad? Because you were out there doing stats for him. I see you, he's got you sweating on the side, getting him all the things that you need to do. But what do you learn from being a you know a, a next generation of broadcasting? Because there's been a lot of them in, the, in our industry over the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things. Number one is how to be prepared and how to go into a broadcast to make sure that you know exactly what it is to say in any particular moment and to have stories for anything. And it's more important, I think, in baseball than anything because when it's 100 degrees in the middle of July and it's a 15 to 2 ball game, you got to keep people entertained, especially on the radio side of things. People are tuning in to hear stories. So, you know, I think in terms of preparation, that's the number one thing. And number two, it's just, it's how to be a good person in this industry. You interact with so many people. Uh, and it's so important that when you go into a booth, you know them and you know who they are. And to me, when I, when I go to these booths with my dad, the one thing that I'm always in such awe of is that he always knows everybody and he knows their names and he knows their stories. So, so many people work so hard behind the scenes of a broadcast that they don't necessarily get all of the limelight and they don't get all the recognition that they deserve. So, you know, things that I observe are things like that, the little things that you can do to help make the broadcast better just by interacting with the people around you. So we talk a lot about broadcasting, but more than anything, you know, I, I watch just how he is as a person and how I can learn from him that way. That's good instinct. That's smart. Kid. Don't, don't change that. Let me ask you this, Pat. How do you deal, how do you process with the inevitable uh, social media shade that comes everybody's way? Yeah. I think you have to just kind of take it in stride and and know that there's a lot more good out there than there is the negative. And it's kind of like a Yelp review, right? Like not many people are going to take the time to write a positive review on Yelp, but they're sure going to take a, you know, those 15 seconds to write a negative one. And you, know, you just kind of have to accept that for what it is and, and understand that chances are for every one negative person there is out there, there's about five positives. And, you would hope that eventually you can change them, but you can control what you can control. And the only thing you can control is the people that you interact with and and the people that get to know you. And you hope that the people that you do know aren't the ones writing the negative reviews. <laughs> Those are the ones especially that are going to hurt more Especially your dad. I hope your dad's not writing anything negative about you, Pat. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't exactly. be good. 
exactly. So I just kind of take it for what it is and yeah. understand that it's part of the business we live in and it's part of the world that we live in right now in terms of social media. So you can do. And you just got to run with it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Hey, Pat, who, who, are, who is your, who is your, where is your fandom? You know what I mean? Like you, it's Philly. Is it New York? Like obviously, it's now who's careful, that, the same buddy. as me, right? Because I grew up Be a careful. Washington Redskins fan. But when the yeah. paycheck started coming from New York, I kind of flipped to becoming a Giants fan. So yes. where's the, where is the fandom for you? Listen, I'm all in on the Mets right now. I'm excited to be part of this, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, you know, it. My earliest memories of a baseball fan or as a Mets fan, and that was in 2006 and 2007. Those were some pretty special years. You know, I know 2007 didn't necessarily end the way that Mets fans hoped it would, but my earliest memories are going to Shea, you know, as a nine-year-old kid and and getting a chance to be around the game. That's where I first fell in love with it. Those are my first real experiences with Major League Baseball. It was my first time experiencing playoff baseball. It was in 2006. Uh, and, you know, I was at Game 6 of the NLCS before they forced the Game 7 against the Cardinals. And, you know, I went to Game 1 of the NLDS against the Dodgers and, there's just so many great memories. I loved that team so much. I loved Paul LaDuca and Carlos Delgado when they came over. Uh, I wore 38 in college because Joe Smith is my favorite pitcher ever. Wow. Uh, you know, I wore 53 one year because I emulated Chad Bradford. You know, these were the guys <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know, I watched as a really young guy. But I always laugh at people about the Joe Smith thing. I'm like, oh, no, he was my first taste as a submariner, and I, I loved it. He's a great guy. Have you ever? He's a great guy. You've met him? He's, he's terrific. Best. I have. Okay. Yeah. Really he's good person. Good choice on that. All right, man. Well, listen. Uh, if you mess up, we're just going to strip you down to the AAA team again. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully there's <laughs> no missteps good. here. You know, maybe double A if it's a real egregious misstep. Uh, in, in all sincerity, Pat, it's awesome. Uh, you're young, young up-and-comer. You got a chance to, who knows? I mean, you could be a fabric of the city for multiple decades if that's what you want and, and you do as well as I think many of us think you're going to do. So congrats on the uh, on the, on the the hiring and, and go get it, man. Can't wait to hear yeah. you. Looking forward hey, to congrats, it. Congrats, Pat, man. Good luck to you, and we're excited for this, obviously. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, and... Uh... Hey, and then we're going to roll right into Princeton Tiger football, right? Right after that, and it's going to be a uh, There you go. Be a Call lot of some fun. A.J. Barber. Call some that's A.J. Right. Barber. <laughs> we'll find out where Andre's going to get drafted, too. we got a lot of fun ahead of us. Yeah, that's right. He is. I heard the Giants are looking at him as a, maybe a late-round uh, acquisition. I'm hoping so. That'd be awesome. Yeah, he had a pretty good senior bowl, I hear. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, and uh, looking be- forward to the season. Be good, Pat. All Thank right, you, Pat. Man. There you go. Also, does t- Princeton, obviously. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Tiki's son plays there, hence the uh, the Princeton connection. He's, he called Tiki's uh, son's first touchdown, right? He, he was did. on the mic for AJ's touchdown? He, he the first was. One? He was. Um, nice. I was. At, I was actually at that game, I know too, you were. Because they were, I think it was on ESPNU. I Didn't believe. they put you in the booth that game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I went up yeah, in the booth. Yeah. I mean, the game got out of hand, even though, you know, um, Brown started to make a little bit of a charge at the end. But I was up in the booth for most of the you know fourth quarter when A.J. was sitting down. But, yes, that was his first only touchdown last year. But he had a pretty good season. So, excited well, for him. This is awesome. I mean, I remember I, I told Pat, you know, fall asleep to the radio. You know, when Mike Breen was cutting his teeth as a young Nick announcer and – all the other broadcasters that were, you know, just coming up when I was falling in love with sports. There's going to be a whole new wave of young fans who are falling asleep to him and yep. listening to him. It's, it's awesome. So congrats to him and congrats to the Mets. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.